All right. Let's jump back into the presence of God in listening to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. Hey, I'm going to just give a little bit of, a, of a, an explanation of what the rest of this morning is going to look like from my perspective and in, in, in what I'm leading out in. I'm, I'm going to be preaching this morning, and, but at the end of my message, I'm going to actually invite us to turn in groups of three and four, three or four, to discuss some of the, the, the aspects of my message. And so I'm, I'm giving warning to those of you who are maybe a little bit more reticent to want to do that, uh, to, to either prepare yourself or to figure out a way how you can leave the service. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, just wanted to give you an opportunity to know it was coming. Um, I prayed, actually, and so I want to take this to, to maybe a, a diff, another level here in the Spirit. I prayed that God would seat you where you needed to be seated today. So if you do stay engaged in the conversation, I want you to take note of who you're around. And it might be that God has you turn specifically to, you know, the right people near you to have the conversations that we're going to have. We're going to talk about unity, and I'll, I'll explain why we're talking about that today. And so we'll, we'll get there in a moment, but there will be different ways of engaging the conversation at, at more shallow and deeper levels according to where you want to engage, or you can just listen in the conversation, although it's really hard to have a conversation if only one person is speaking. That's why we put you in threes and fours. That way maybe sometimes you can have a little bit more, less to say. But for those of you who might be more reticent to talk, possibly because you're more introverted, I can say that my experience with those who are more introverted is oftentimes if we will give the introvert a chance to speak, there's probably something very valuable and deep that you need to hear from them. So, and then for you introverts, I would say, don't pull back in this opportunity to share. As you are preparing your heart for conversation, listen to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to speak through you the things that God has you to speak to that group of three or four. Amen? Every voice and perspective is valuable, however long or short, but also it might be that you don't speak. That's okay. Don't feel the pressure to speak either if there's not anything you have to say. This also might give you an opportunity to listen more intently to what I have to share this morning, knowing that you might be talking about it. So... Um, I think uh, I heard word that we might actually have slides for my presentation. I actually paid the sound person. Um, Christopher forgot to do that. They were just looking for a little money. And so I just know how the world works. So <laughs> Rick, and I, I'm lying, Rick. I'm not paying you anything. <laughs> All right. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for the worship team and how they prepare. They lead us into your presence. And Lord, I'm, I personally ha had to recover from this morning to be able to preach because I was so stirred by being with you in worship. And I pray, Father, that our spirits would remain in that place, our, our minds would remain in that place, our hearts would be willing and open to listen to you um, as you speak. Lord, I pray as, a, as the communicator this morning that what you want me to to say or stir up you would, and what you don't want me to do, that you would restrain me, and if you have a hard time restraining me, then restrain the ears of those who are listening to me. 
to just receive what you're wanting to say to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a, we have a tradition within the Antioch movement uh, I, uh, that, um, and also within our church locally, but in, in the larger movement where we have close to 45 churches in the United States and twice as many teams throughout the world, um, once a year, and this year we started probably in October, we say, God, is there anything that you want to speak to us corporately as a movement of people? And so that process begins, it's, it's, it begins by an invitation from the leadership um, of our organization to say, hey, would you be, be, begin to just wait on the Lord and ask the Lord, is there anything that you have for us? And sometimes that disseminates down to the local level, depending on how the leadership and the pastors do that, but especially at the leadership level of all the churches and all the missionaries around the world, they're given an opportunity to listen and say, God, is there anything that you have for us as a movement that you would want to highlight in this season? And so those words and pictures and dreams and all those things kind of funnel up to some people who read through all of them and then collate them and then present them to a larger group of leaders um, uh, at, towards the end of the year and kind of boiled, boil all that down to, God, this is what you're saying. So that's just kind of the process. And we do that because we believe the Lord speaks in this way. And that's a whole other message that I'm not going to get into. Sometimes when I preach on the Word of the Lord, I have a whole front end on the Word of why we believe that God speaks. But let's just go ahead and say God speaks. Amen? Speaks with his mouth. He, create, he, he spoke the creation into existence. He has relationship with his sons and daughters. And relationship means communication. It's not just a one-way communication. We're not just praying and he's listening. But he is relating to us and he loves to relate to us. And loving relationship means that we have communication. And so God does that with us. And so we listen. What has been is that we learned at the high, the, the, in, in our leadership teams that have kind of pondered the word of the Lord is that we are in a five-year season, uh, a five-year word that kind of started two years ago when God spoke pretty clearly to us that he was in the midst of COVID and in the midst of everything that was going on in that season, that he was, he was inviting us to be conscripted again back uh, with purpose, in, 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 with conscripted to his purposes. And the picture was the picture of the Queen Mary, which was a cruise liner during World War II um, that was converted into a, uh, a ship that carried troops, um, in a, carried troops from the U.S. into battle in the sense that God was wanting to, to awaken us from our life of just kind of being on a cruise ship to the reality that we're living in a world that needs Jesus desperately. And that we don't need to be disengaged, but we need to be engaged again in a fresh way to the the proclamation of the gospel to the service of the world through acts of kindness and love and compassion in that we would be eager and anticipating being sent wherever God wants us to to share the gospel and his good news. We were conscripted and then COVID happened and, and, and all, all COVID broke out. Um, and we've kind of sat in that word actually for a couple of years or a year and a half. And then God highlighted to us coming into 2022, the power of a, of a Queen Mary is fueled by a boiler room. And that we needed to spend some time focusing as a movement. And again, can I say this? Anytime the Lord speaks in these ways, 
always it is in line with his word in reminding us of something within his word that he's wanting us to take hold of again. Amen? Sometimes he adds specific application to that word, and that happens as well. But God was saying, hey, church, I want you to pray. I want you to to remember that your power and your source of strength, your life, and even the things that I call you to are only done through the power of prayer and the power that I give you through prayer. And so he called our people to prayer. I can tell you as one who now goes from church to church and in, in, in fellowships with different pastors throughout the movement, that that 2022 word of boiler room and prayer has been one of the most unifying words that I've ever seen in the Antioch movement. There is so much happening in prayer. Um, 24-7 prayer, online prayer, prayer meetings, prayer and fasting, churches praying together. As a movement, we are actually going to, at the end of February, the beginning of March, all as churches and missionaries throughout the world pray and fast for three days in prayer for the, for the move of God and the works of God. Prayer is happening in our midst, and I'm so thankful for the people in our own church, our own congregation, who are giving themselves to not only praying, but stirring others to gather together to pray. And if you're not in small groups or if you're not in a group of prayer, praying together, please do it. Look online and see what we're offering Get involved with that. If it doesn't fit your schedule, create another offering for prayer. As we move into 2023, the word is unity. Unity is a whole series of messages. Can I just say that? So I can't can't preach this message today in its totality, and I'm not going to hit every point. But what I desire in my own heart as I prepared for this message, and I desire for us, is that we would be yielded to the Holy Spirit and to the, to the desires of our Father and our Savior to fulfill His desires in the place of unity. That we would say, God, whatever it takes for me, Sean, to promote and to live as you would want me to live in regards to unity, I want to do that. So I want to start there and say, I have been in my life one who has promoted great disunity. And how have I done that? With my casual words of critique of you as individuals at times, as I have proudly positioned our church in comparison to another church and promoted how much more godly we are, how much more of a, a good church we are in comparison to other people, other churches. How I've grown weary at times of fellowshipping with other pastors or churches that pray together because it just doesn't fit my schedule. and It's just not important enough to me. So that's kind of almost in in some senses a corporate level, but I can even do it at a very base level because my wife and I are believers, my children are believers, and there's oftentimes in my marriage where I speak to and think about or speak about my wife in ways that are not honoring and divisive, and it produces disunity in our marriage, which whether you know or don't know, flows out to you as a congregation if we're not walking in oneness at times. 
it is far easier for me with my words to be one who promotes disunity than unity at times. It's very easy for me in my judgment, my pride, in my insecurity to not demonstrate or display or promote what unity looks like. And so I just want to start there because when I talk about what I aspire to, I'm not talking about it from a place where I have arrived. Nor do I think that we as Antioch Waltham have arrived, but I do think that God has given us a stirring, a desire to be something more than who we are, where we display as fully as we've ever displayed before what it looks like to love one another as God has called us to love one another. But I will, before I get to that encouragement, let me just read this example from Francis Chan's book because I felt like it was so convicting. And and also because when I think about unity, I do think about, God, what does our unity look like to the world or our disunity? Have you ever considered how outsiders must view us, how people who don't go to church view the church? Try to imagine an unbeliever going online and trying to make sense of all the denominations, all the church splits, the competitive advertising between churches, the open slander that happens online. It would look like my family screaming frantically at each other while walking through an orphanage to meet kids we were wanting to adopt. Let that sink in a little bit. There's a reason people aren't anxious to join the family. What picture of God are we showing to the world? If the church is supposed to be a reflection of the image of God and the aroma of Christ to those who are perishing, it is no wonder that people are not attracted. And hey, don't try to comfort yourself with verses like John 5, 8, 15, 18. If the world hates you, know that he has hated me before he hated you. The world currently hates us not because we resemble Jesus, but because we don't. We are arrogant, and there is a serious disconnect between our beliefs and our actions. Now, I am not pointing this illustration at you unless you want to receive it. What I mean is I, haven't, I don't have any picture of any of you or our church when I think of this illustration. But I do read it and receive it as a challenge. God, is there any way that I reflect something to the world? Is there any way that we reflect something to the world that doesn't look like you in our unity and in our love? And so what does unity and love look like? Three scriptures that we feel like describe, and there's so many scriptures. We, we spent um, about 30 minutes in Rome when we were all together as leaders in, in November just saying, what does the scripture say about unity? We came up with like 200 verses. I mean, you could, the, book, the Bible is about unity. We'll talk about that in just a second. But three verses that God put on our hearts. John 17, 20 through 23. Read with me. My prayer, this is Jesus praying. This is Jesus' prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you, and you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us 
May they also be in us. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. My first question to me and you is, can we believe that this can happen? That's a much better answer than I got from the staff this morning. I only say that to say, when you've walked with the church for as long as some of us have, man, it is hard to believe that this prayer is going to be fulfilled. When you've walked with me long enough, it's hard to believe this prayer is going to be fulfilled. But ladies and gentlemen, every prayer that Jesus prays gets fulfilled. He doesn't pray a prayer that doesn't happen. And so if he's prayed a prayer that's going to happen, then wouldn't it be uh, important for us to get in line with what Jesus has prayed and say, God, how are you going to make that happen? And some of us, when we read that prayer, go, well, you know, he's going to make that happen in heaven. And he is going to make that happen in heaven, but that's not what this scripture says. Anybody look at it again? It says, so that the world may know. That means before he comes back so that the world can see that Jesus can do something that the world cannot do. The scripture says that there will be people that say, peace, peace. But if it's not peace, peace in Jesus, it's no peace. But Jesus' peace in us, transforming us so that we can look around at each other as we did in worship and see the beauty in one another, and believe the best in one another, even in our sin, because we got a bunch of sinful people in here, starting with me, that we can love one another the way the world doesn't understand. The scripture says that when that happens, they start believing in God. I might say this a few times before I finish, and i got to finish quickly because I want us to talk. But if you're praying for revival in the world, if you're praying for the world to be saved, if you're praying for the atrocities in this world to change and to be overturned, if you're, you're praying for wickedness to be annihilated and for righteousness to be exalted, one of the first prayers you need to be living, and I need to be living, is loving unity in the church. Because if we can't get our act together in here, we're surely not going to get our act together out there. Amen? Again, remember my repentance. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at us. Because we need to hear the word of God. The Trinity is our model. We can't see a picture of how the Trinity operates in unity, but what we can see is a picture of how they interact in Scripture with one another and how Jesus lived his life on earth. And it's a place of deference. It's a place of honor. It's a place of doing the work for one another. It's a place of building up and not tearing down. And then if we look at Jesus, has he treated us as humans? We have a beautiful example 
of the characteristics or qualities that we need to begin to sow into this place of humility. And we'll look at that in another passage of Scripture here in a second. But one thing I can say is this. God has called us, as He is a reconciler, He's called us to be reconcilers. Amen? If anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What is the unity message? The gospel. The gospel is everything about unity. The oneness of our lives, broken, sinful, everything you can define about what is not God in us, Jesus dying for that on the cross, forgiving us of our sins, but not only forgiving us, welcoming us into his family and saying, I want you to be with me forever. Come and join the party. We've been doing it. We want you to know what it looks like. Come on in. That's the gospel. And the gospel is not only that we get this, the gospel is that we live it out among other people so that other people get it. That's the ministry of reconciliation, and that's unity. The gospel is a unity message. Okay, I'm going to get ahead of myself here. So my first question to you, out of this passage of Scripture, there's so much there and we're not even touching it, is what does it look like to walk in union, unity with the Trinity? We can't walk in unity with one another until we're understanding what it looks like to be reconciled to God, what it looks like to be forgiven, what it looks like to be accepted when we're wrong, what it looks like to have forbearance in our lives, what it looks like for us to be stirred in the giftings that are in us, what it looks like to to acknowledge the holiness and the purity and the righteousness of living and what it looks like to live in that. All of that comes in union with God. We can't put on all that stuff with one another if we're not receiving it and giving it to God. Okay, Acts 2.42 is the other, next verse. <clears throat> they devoted themselves, okay, so the Trinity, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, inviting us into their unity. So then a picture, another verse, a picture of what it looks like at the very beginning of the church to walk in unity together. And specifically, what it looks like for a bunch of Jewish converts, Jewish worshipers, who had come to worship God, who come in contact with the gospel of Jesus Christ, give their hearts to Jesus, and then form the first church. This is Acts. And this is what happened. They got saved. They started looking like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which is communion, in prayer, remembering the works of Christ. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a picture of what it could look like for us to walk in unity. It's not the only picture. Sometimes we make the mistake when we read Scripture to say, well, if that's, if that's what happened in Acts and that's exactly what it needs to look like in our church, I think 
almost everything in that we would want to happen in our, everything we would want to happen in our church, but it doesn't have to look exactly like that, but it looks like us yielding ourselves to God and say, God, whatever you want to do, I want you to do it through me, and I want to bless and love the people of God the way that you blessed and loved me. I'm not even going to jump into all that because you can, you can just kind of experience all that, but can I say this? When we when we devote ourselves like this to one another, it's, it's attractive. People want to be involved. People want to be in your life when you are breaking bread together with sincerity and love and forgiveness. When you're sharing meals with one another. When you're serving one another with acts of kindness and good deeds and giving generously to one another. When they don't have it. When you're sacrificially offering what you, the little you have. There is joy and life and thankfulness that wells up in that. Isn't there? Can you feel it? Have you experienced it? And what would that produce if we're living in that place? So let's just go back and combine these two real quick and then go to our last verse. If I am worshiping and praising God in his presence and I'm sacrificially living and filled with joy and loving one another, is there going to be unity or disunity? It just happens. It just happens when we're in the presence of God together. I mean, yeah, maybe there's some things that have got to be worked out in the presence, but we're willing to go there in the presence of God. Amen? And yeah, there are some things that, we, that rub up against us when we're eating meals together and we're doing life together. Sometimes it's got friction and it's hard, but when it's in the presence of Jesus, it, it, in God's presence in us, we can work through those things together, can't we? It produces unity when we do that. Last verse. Maybe some, some, this gets a little bit more teachy here in Ephesians. Paul gives us a little bit more handles on what this looks like. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. As a prisoner for the Lord, we'll, we'll break it up in a couple sections. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble. Gentle. Patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort, not just some effort, not just a little effort, but make every effort, make it your aim to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I love what we sang about today when we sang the creed because it's just, this is it. There is one body, and this is where peace and unity comes from again. There is fake unity that we, tr we try to strive for that's based in what we call love but does not have truth. Jesus is at the center of unity in the church. There's other kinds of unities and other kinds of pieces, but the unity that changes the world is centered on Jesus. One body, that's us in Christ. One spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One is spoken seven or eight times, depending on how you break up that scripture, is one important to God. Unity. Unity in doctrine. Unity in fellowship. Unity in Jesus. Unity covering it all in love. Worth your calling. What's your calling? That you're a child of God and that you're living for him.
What are the characteristics? Humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, love. This is the kind of life and love we lead that leads us to unity and oneness. This is about Christ in us. It's about God. It's about faith conversion. It's about unity in the church that's centered around Jesus. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Oh, I, I thought I was going to get something off of that. You guys are, that's, this is really important. Di- Jesus died and was buried for us, our sins. Everything was taken into the grave, but the grave did not hold him. The brokenness, the division, the selfishness, the, 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 the death, the destruction that's in our lives, that's born in sin, did not hold him. And he ascended higher than anybody who will ever ascend and fills everything in every, in every way with him. And he is love. He is unity. He is peace. He's joy. He's everything that is good in life. Okay. And he gave gifts. For what purpose? He gave things to you and me, not just, he didn't just save us, but he uniquely created us and gifted us for the purpose of building up this unity, this knowledge of Christ. Verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, until we all reach unity, until we all reach unity, until we all, all, every single person in Jesus that we get to work with and walk with, if you're in the body with us, until you, until me, reach maturity in the faith, unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What does this mean? We don't leave anybody behind. We don't leave anybody behind. We don't leave anybody behind. And if there's somebody, 1 Corinthians 12, if there's somebody weaker, then Paul, Jesus speaking through Paul said, then they're more honored. We take care of them. We don't judge them. And, and listen, it's not just about somebody who, and, and I don't know how you describe in your mind, and I'm not even going to put descriptors in, but there's certain ways that we describe who is lesser and more. I want you to expand your lesser and more. Because if you carry and I carry judgments towards another person, then they have become lesser and you become more. So whatever you're judging another brother or sister about, God is saying, well, you know what? In your judgment, dear sister and brother, why don't you wait around until that person matures? And why don't you love them and care for them so that they can come to the truth or come to the knowledge that you have? You know what really happens in those moments? God gets a hold of you first, doesn't he? Okay, I'm wrong. God, can you use that person to help me? Right? When we are thinking about not leaving anybody behind because everybody's important, all of a sudden it's worth it to love and walk in unity. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Help me, Lord. Until we are brought up into the unity 
of Christ, the whole measure and fullness of Jesus Christ. Truth about Jesus proclaimed and understood and lived out. Truth about the gospel, the faith, the baptism, the life of God being developed and matured in young believers in, 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 in our midst. The discovering of gifts and the identifying of those gifts among one another so that we are serving alongside of each other in strength and purpose and honoring each other for how God has created you and made you. Encouraging the fan and fanning the flame of faith Encouraging people when they're discouraged or despaired or falling away and saying, you can make it, come on. Working together to help reach the people out here that don't know Jesus. This is the fullness of Christ in unity in the church. It looks like the gospel. Final picture, verse 14 through 16. Then, then, when this happens, the fullness of unity in the church, there will no, this is what it should look like. There will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. There will be a revelation of the purity of the gospel, the truth of how we're to live, and heresy and false teaching won't, won't affect us. And part of that heresy and false te- teaching, the reason that there is heresy and false teaching from the devil is to divide us. So if we are walking in oneness in Jesus and in the truths of the gospel and the love of the gospel and living out how I described it earlier, then we're gonna, we're gonna be protected from the lies and the deception of the enemy. Amen? And we're gonna protect one another even when we become, de- when we become possibly deceived. We're gonna, we're gonna lean in to our brothers and sisters. And how does that work? Verse 15, our favorite verse. Everybody say, this is my favorite verse. Instead, we're going to speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. What does it look like to speak the truth in love? It looks like receiving the truth in love. How do you like to receive the truth? How do you like to receive it? Well, let me tell you what I think you need to be doing. No, I don't like that. But when somebody comes to me, and I know that they have my best interest at heart, and I know they love me, and I know that what they're delivering to me is not the the, the promissory note that they are also leaving me after they deliver the message. After they lower the boom, they're going to get out of my life. But they're saying, I love you enough to share this with you, and I'm with you, and I'm walking it through with you, and I want to hear what you have to say about it back to me. Ooh, That's good love, and that's good truth, and we need it if we're going to be mature. Speaking the truth in love is not speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love is not speaking the truth. We need to speak the truth in love is what I'm saying. It needs to happen. But speaking the truth in love is not judgment without gentleness. It's not arrogance without humility. It's 
not self-righteousness, unaware of our own unrighteousness, but it's love. Those who are good at speaking the truth in love are good at receiving the truth in love. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Things that have killed unity, and then we're going to talk. What's killed unity over the centuries of the church? Judgment without love. Kills it. Because anybody who doesn't agree with you can't walk with you. Because it's your way or the highway. Well, that's disunity. That'll do it. Ah, oh, well, they'll come around. No, they won't. They just won't ever hang out with you again. That kills unity. No truth love kills unity. Oh, it's just love, brother. Just don't, just don't hold anybody accountable. It's just all good. Whatever they think is good is all love. No, that's not love. That is not what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. It is the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word, embodied and lived and spoken in love that produces unity. What kills unity? Pride in our accomplishments and truth. Unforgiveness produces disunity. A lack of repentance produces disunity. Selfishness in not looking out for one another produces disunity. Elevating teaching over love produces disunity. Probably could go on. Back to the end in the beginning. John 17, 23. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. In, in another part, Jesus, in John 13, he said it this way, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. All right. One more picture. One more picture. Revelation 7. What happens when we do leave this earth? What is it going to look like? It's going to look a little bit like Antioch Waltham. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people, centered in encircling and surrounding the throne of Jesus Christ, singing and praising at the top of their voices, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who, who deserves all honor and power and glory and wisdom and riches, and we're just doing that forever in that picture that I gave you earlier about looking at one another, and I don't think we're just going to be looking at Jesus, but we're going to be looking around going, we get to do this together forever. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. All right. Amen. So we're going to break up into threes and fours right now. I warned you. Don't say I didn't warn you. If you were at the ba- in the bathroom, reach, lean over to your neighbor and say, what's he talking about? <clears throat> so remember, you're going to find those threes or four, and there's a whole slide, I think, of questions that I asked, I was going to ask in the middle, but we're going to just ask right now. So you can take any one of these that goes with any one of these passages of Scripture and answer it, okay? If you, you can go... Some of them are a little easier to answer, a little less vulnerable. Some of them are really vulnerable. 
So wherever you want to go, just, can I just, and I'm going to pray for you, can I just ask you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and go where the Holy Spirit wants you to go in this conversation. Another thing I would like to give, and this is why we break you up into groups of three or four, because if you're bigger than that group, sometimes nobody gets a chance to talk. But if you're a talker, ask yourself, am I a talker? (laughs) And I say this because I'm a talker. If you're a talker, what would it look like for you to be more of a listener today? All the talkers are going, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, next? Okay. All right. So turn to three and four. I'm gonna, I mean, the questions are up here. You can look at them in three and four and just begin to have a little conversation about unity. And I'm, while you're turning to each other, I'm going to pray over you. So go for it. And Father, I just pray that your spirit would ignite conversations that you want to have this morning in regards to unity. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's going to get really serious. One encouragement that I would give you is read through the whole list because you're not going to have time to talk about all these things. So read through the whole list and maybe even ask the question, what, what do we want to talk about, right? Because it might be that you need to start at the bottom, okay? Not saying that, but just, you're not going to be able to talk about all of it, so just pick those questions. hate to uh, shut down good conversation, and so I'm not necessarily shutting it down. I am putting, putting a pause, <laughs> putting a pause on your conversation, not an ending. So if you have enjoyed talking to this group of people and there's more that you want to do in this conversation, let this be a pause that allows you to have further conversation. Some sweet things, I get the opportunity just to kind of look at what's going on. There's some sweet ways in which the Holy Spirit's ministering. So thank you, Jesus. Before we move to, I'm going to have Christopher just play here some instrumental music behind us. Before we exit this time, Um, I want to do two things. Can you put the list back up, um, Rick? I want us to just take a moment, not with our group, but with the Lord, to ask that last question. It might might be that it came before your conversation, but it might have come out of your conversation. That God stirred you with some kind of act of obedience that He's asking of you today. It might not have anything to do with anything we've talked about, but it would be really awesome if it did.
Is there some act of obedience, some good that God's asking you to do in the, in the area of unity? So let's just pray. Ask the Lord to speak. Maybe he'll speak right now if he hasn't already. Lord, we're open. What a privilege it would be to be on the front of seeing your prayer answered. That we would be one as you and Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. So let this this vessel, this person, that's you. Lord, I just pray, Lord, talk to me. What do you have me to do? One of the acts that God might be asking you to do right now is to pray a short prayer of faith publicly for unity. Who feels stirred to do that and would just stand up where you are and lead us out into a time of corporate prayer? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for bringing this word to us again. Yes. Your high priestly prayer was something that you prayed towards the end of your ministry to bring your people together, knowing that we don't come together really well, Lord. Yeah. But we thank you that your word goes out and doesn't return to you empty without accomplishing what you want it to do. And your word has gone out today and has circulated among us and is stirring in our hearts, is bringing us together with each other across generational gaps, across race and ethnic gaps, you know no divide. Amen. Your word knows no divide. Amen. Lord, keep your word going and circulating among us today. Yes, Lord. Knit us together the way you knit us together in our mother's womb. Knit us together as the body of Christ. Let us do the uncomfortable things that you're calling us to do and be obedient to you today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Anybody else? Let's hear two or three voices. Are you just standing or you want to?
Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your lovers. That is why you bring all the words you want us to know so that we walk a holy life for your kingdom. What does it look like to walk in union with the Trinity? I see you, God. I see the word of God. I see Jesus and the Holy Spirit togetherness with us. It is walking in the presence of God. But in many times we walk by ourselves. Walking by yourself, you think, sometimes when we look at ourselves, you think you are not loved enough. And the thoughts, bad thoughts come, negativities come. And then we start, you start judging. Maybe they don't like me. Maybe they are thinking this. That is the battling in between us. But we know that by the Holy Spirit, you are leading us to walk a holy life, to walk by the word of God, to be doers of the word of God, not listeners only, Lord. But here we are praying, we are praying that you are so gracious that you have come with your word, with your right word, that, so that we can walk a holy life. Forgive us for not getting much time to read your word. Because when we read your word, we take time to meditate, and that is the way we can walk, to be doers of the word of God. Thank you so much, Father, for today. This is a new year. It is a new life. You are giving us life. You want us to walk a holy life in love, in unity, seeing you in other people, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your lovers. We are so thankful for you are the forgiver. As we walk outside, let us see God in other people because we are created in your image, Lord. You are the God, you are the Father, you are the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for you are covering us all, young and old. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We are so loved. I'm loved. You are loved. Say, I'm loved. You are loved. In Jesus' name, amen.